0: Welcome to the 382nd episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in southwest Florida. I hope my voice holds up. I have a little bit of Florida pollen and perhaps a little, I don't know, maybe the common cold is circling back through. Who knows? Had a little exposure over the weekend, perhaps, but uh, all is well. Um, what I do for a cold is kind of what I did for COVID. I uh, took my zinc and quercetin. Uh, I've been taking about uh, six grams of vitamin C a day, so I'm day three and feeling pretty good. So I suspect tomorrow it will be gone. But for now, um, I'm a little bit froggy. Next weekend is the Brazos 50-mile race. So it'll be our third time's the charm, Brazos Ben 50, uh, to try to do a 50-mile race. We canceled last year because of an ice storm in Texas. Um, we canceled the 50 mile this February because of my broken toe, and here we go again. I'm gonna try it. So I'm gonna be really careful for the next week and a half to see if I can get to the star line. So it should be interesting. It's gonna be a little bit warmer than uh, what we expected, but I think um, I think I'd rather you know i'm gonna stick with i'd rather run in the warm than than really freeze so um, being a floridian i kind of like the warm temperature so we're gonna we're gonna go with that um certainly i'll give you all the nitty-gritty when we get back um what we ate and how we did what we saw there's supposed to be a few gators on the course we'll see um, hopefully i'll come back and say we were friends who knows but uh, so that's where we are well this Week's podcast, I'd like to take you back in time a little bit to the era of Dwight Eisenhower. He was uh, born in 1890, died in 1969. He was our 34th president for all you youngins out there. He was the president from 1953 to 1961 in World War II. He was the supreme commander of the Allied Expeditionary Forces in Europe. He attained the class of five-star general. He also led the invasions in Africa and Normandy, so quite the man as far as military experience and quite the president, but President Eisenhower died of a heart attack, and his vice president was President Nixon, and it was determined at that point that we needed to to fix the heart disease as the number one killer in the United States, so it's post-World War II, everything is looking up, we're in the... 50s it um crisco uh, has been released margarine has been released vegetable oils as they're called to make our lives easier um, to make our lives better because they're from vegetables not the saturated fat from lard or tallow Um, the big push was uh, again uh, to be healthy and to get rid of uh, some of the saturated fats in our diet and um the dairy industry wasn't very happy with that at all they wouldn't let margarine be called butter they wouldn't even let margarine be yellow because um, they didn't want to compete because again it was so much cheaper to to make um, somewhat of a chemistry experiment to to make a solid out of a vegetable oil um, and really they're not vegetable oils they're seed oils so canola seed can, um, sunflower seed cotton seed You know, these are all seed oils, and seeds have more omega-6s than, which are polyunsaturated fats, than um, um, saturated fats. And the idea was that this was gonna be pretty good because it wasn't a saturated fat, um, and it was gonna be much more healthy, it came from a seed. How bad could a seed be? And I think if you fast forward to today, most people think, how bad could a seed be, you know? Uh, people will come in and they're, you know, maybe a raw vegan and they'll say, yeah, yeah, we I eat a lot of nuts and seeds. I snack on I snack on nuts. And and I believe a lot of people think that the nuts and seeds are a protein source, but really they're a fat source, 85% fat. Again, the majority of the, them being a polyunsaturated omega-6 fatty, um, being, being composed of omega-6 fatty acids. And of course, people will say, Well, you know, you need healthy fats, and we can't make essential fatty acids just like we can't make the nine essential amino acids. We have to eat the essential fats, uh, fatty acids, the omega-3s and omega-6s. However, we only need 0.4% of those from our daily calories. So that's a very, 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 very small amount, and it's so easy to come by, we need not worry. The reality of it is, just like everything else, in the American diet, we quickly got too much of, and we quickly got too much of seed oils or vegetable oils. They were put in everything. Um, they were put in cereals. You know, if you think about it, in the 50s and 60s, cereals started to come on the market instead of having eggs or oatmeal. We have these, this convenience food called Rice Krispies and Corn Flakes uh, because now we have a surplus of food. Um, there's oil in it there's sugar in it um, there are crackers that have oil in it Um, we've replaced you know when pastries put the vegetable oil in it and use a lot of it because it's good for you it's used to cook with um, it's as a preservative it's placed in sauces it's you know it's everywhere and it continues to be everywhere it continues to be in the manufacturing of box foods so if things are breaded and frozen in the frozen food aisle they were most likely cooked in a vegetable oil and then of course people will heat them back up in a vegetable oil so it's everywhere um it is thought that you can get uh anyways place from five to 900 calories a day in these seed oils so heart disease is still the number one killer with over six hundred thousand deaths a year um it's not like we cured it with vegetable oils Um, and and the question was polyunsaturated fats of course low fat but we really didn't go low fat we just went different fat and we went different fat and we did more of it because it was cheaper so the caloric intake in the United States went up went up with added sugar with added fats Um, and again President Eisenhower died of a heart attack before all this really was coming into play so it wasn't um like saturated fat was healthy uh we just kind of moved it over a little bit um i would presume that president eisenhower smoked um so along with smoking and of course the stress that he was under um and his you know very rich diet i'm sure um but he wasn't wasn't morbidly obese or overweight I, i would assume he probably had high blood pressure that nobody really checked there weren't that many blood pressure medicines at that time, but nevertheless, um, dietarily we we changed the focus and in, and in, in pushed over into the seed oils. When we did this, we also post uh, eventually into the '90s pushed pushed over into gly- um, genetically modified seed oils. So soybean oils, genetically modified corn uh, oil, and canola oils, genetically modified, so high pesticide residue as well. So now we have a high toxin. Um, when we look at omega-3s and omega-6s, again, omega-6 fatty acids are much more abundant. When we think about omega-3s, we're talking flaxseed, hemp seed, chia seed, beans, kale, greens. Walnuts have slightly more omega-3s than omega-6s, but uh, still um, very high in 85% fat. So it's a fatty food. So we, if, you, if you look at where omega-6s go, they go to make clotting proteins, They go to make um, inflammatory compounds, proteins. So now we have introduced this clotting, high inflammatory substance into every aspect of our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it continues, you know, we don't think about it. Um, We've developed a need for a crunch. You know, people say, I want a crunch. They're not talking about carrots or apples. They're talking about the crunch from a cracker, um, the crunch from a potato chip. Now we have, you know, seed crackers. Again, people think that seeds are healthy. So if it doesn't say a oil in it, a processed oil, we assume that that's okay. But truly, it's just a seed that we have to process into the omega-6. It's just basically a solid form. But we put things in colorful bags, whether it's beet chips, green, you know, some sort of cauliflower chips or whatever, but the, ba- the bottom line is there's two or three different kind of oils. If you look at the protein bars that are out there, they're called protein bars, but they should be called fat bars because there's fat in them. And the reality of it is there's nothing that we eat as a mono macronutrient uh, except if we eat straight butter or straight sugar. But otherwise, if it's a food, um, it typically has a little bit of fat, a little bit of protein, a little bit of carbohydrate. It shifts depending on what it is. So even an apple will have a little bit of fat, very small amount, but a tiny bit. Um, a potato is going to have a little bit of fat, mainly carbohydrate, but it has some protein. So everything has a little bit. That's a whole food, but then when we process things. We tend to strip and shift to more of a mono mono type food. So you see all kinds of Facebook groups talking about you know S uh, O S free sugar, ole oil, salt free. But the reality of it is, there'll be tamari that has or miso that has sodium in it. There'll be nuts and seeds that have oil in it, and there'll be maple syrup or, or uh, in some instances, honey or agave, which are simple sugars. Um, and we think that because we give things a different name, that all of a sudden it's healthy, but it's still as calorie dense as it was before. Maybe the process is a little bit better how it how it is, you know, the, the end product. But for the most part. Um, we're getting a high calorie condiment of sorts in case you wanted to know the nitty-gritty details of creating margin it's hydrogenation of a plant oil um, the plant oil is or the plant is pressurized using hydrogen turns into a semi-solid or a custard like thing um, there are s- some unsaturated fats into trans they're tr- converted into trans fats if they don't have to have be hydrogenated, they don't really contain any trans fats. So palm oil does not contain trans fats, which are um, the really bad players, if so to speak. Um, and then it's, the oil is heated up with water or skim milk, depending on the type of margarine. So if you just buy margarine on the shelf, and Dr. Delaney is not suggesting that you buy margarine or any plant butter, but you're also getting uh, you know some butter products or milk products, dairy, with that. Uh, and then things are crystallized and emulsifiers are added um, typically there are ingredients such as um, coloring agents emulsifiers lecithin, salt and everything so it's a it's a big process it's a chemistry experiment so how do we define a healthy food you know some people say I eat better than I used to we're healthier we eat pretty healthy Um, It's always funny when they come into my office with, you know, high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease and say we're pretty healthy and it's like, well, I guess not healthy enough. Um, How do you define it? Is it because there's a vegetable in the ingredient? Um, Is it green? Is it a lean meat? Is that considered a healthy food? Is it low in saturated fats, high in polyunsaturated fats? And if we go back to the oils, if you can't see it, do you have to look for it? So if you go to the bakery and buy bread, do you look for oils? If you go to Starbucks and get a pastry, do you look for oils? Do you wonder or consider that there are eggs in all those products? Um, How do they make icings? Um, Typically, it's, you know, so when we start to look at the potential sources of oil, um, it's A lot of people adopt a don't ask, don't tell type policy. Um, If you don't look at the ingredients, you might not know it's in there or plead the fifth or not know what's in there. But the reality of it is if you put it in your mouth, you're responsible. We are the caregivers of our children. We don't usually like to poison them, um, but somehow if it's poison in the name of taste good, we kind of let it go. Today I came across, I'm always wondering what I'm going to do for some of the, some of the content here in in the uh, podcast and something always comes up. And today there was a nutrition class, a healthy nutrition class that someone I know attended. And so I thought I would look it up and see just what they had to offer. And Obviously, they shared some recipes, and so I pulled up what I thought might be the healthiest one, Um, meaning I excluded the egg salad, and I excluded the chicken cacciatore and such, but I pulled up zucchini bread. So most people think zucchini bread is pretty healthy. A lot of people don't like zucchini bread because they think it's too healthy because it has zucchini in it, but, you know, um, nevertheless... You know, zucchini bread is thought to be pretty healthy. It's usually very moist, and a lot of people will think that it's very moist because there's zucchini in it, and zucchini is moist. But zucchini is not entirely sweet. Um, So there's some things added. And, And this recipe was touted as being a really good recipe because you're making it at home. And so if you're making bread at home then it's more healthy than bread you buy. And that's probably true most instances. Um, this recipe will kind of challenge that. Uh, but it says, you know, as long as you have the basic ingredients at home, such as flour, milk, water, yeast, sugar, and salt, you're all set. So here's the recipe. Three cups of all-purpose white flour or wheat flour. Two eggs. Three-fourths cup of vegetable oil meaning seed oil, meaning omega-6 fatty acids. Three-fourths cup of honey, or substitute one cup of white sugar. People think that honey, agave, or maple syrup is going to be better than sugar, uh, white sugar. The processing is better. There may be some electrolytes, but when it comes down to it, it's pretty much a simple sugar. A teaspoon of vanilla extract. Two cups of grated zucchini. Zucchini, that was the best part of this. A whole cup of chopped walnuts and raisins, or a teaspoon of cinnamon. A teaspoon of salt, that is 2,000 milligrams. A teaspoon of baking soda, baking soda, sodium, salt. A teaspoon of baking powder. So when people look at pastries, they don't typically count the sodium for their day in pastries, but it does count, and it is there. It's not that big, but it's there. And then a half cup of low-fat, low-fat sour cream. So now we have saturated fat in our sour cream. So if we have a dairy product, um, and we have the salt associated with the sour cream as well as the salt associated with baking powder, baking soda, and salt. Um, And let's not forget to go back to um, some people may take that recipe and think that they're making it more healthy by using almond flour because almond flour is more expensive. um, Bob's Red Mill makes almond flour. Therefore, it should be more healthy. But almond flour is made from almonds, and almonds are nuts, and nuts are 85% fat. Wheat, wheat berry is mainly a carbohydrate. Almond flour, almonds are 85% fat, that's 9 calories per gram. Wheat berries are mainly carbohydrate, that's 4 calories per gram. So already calorie dense if you went to almond flour. Um, The other thing with almond flour is, again, omega-6 fatty acids. So we already have a... Ton of omega 6s uh, with our 3 4 cup of vegetable oil. So that's just an example of what might be a healthy bread. How would I fix it? Um, obviously, I'm okay with um, whole wheat flour or even white flour. It's a dessert. Um, don't need an egg. I will use a flax egg. So that's going to give me some omega 3 fatty acids. Not going to use vegetable oil, but I would use a cup of applesauce. Um, i don't think we need that much honey especially uh, or any kind of sugar we might need a quarter cup of maple syrup um you might get away with some you know depending on how many raisins you use we'll have to you'd have to check it out um you could also grate a carrot in there that gives you a little bit um, of sweetness as well we have the vanilla extract we have the zucchini um again that walnuts and omega, more omega-3s and omega-6s but you got it's going to start making it uh, more calorie dense so i'd cut that down to no more than a quarter cup cinnamon um, I wouldn't use any salt cause we have baking soda and baking powder. And, uh, if you wanted to make, I, I don't think you need any liquid to, um, make this creamier. So I would probably omit any sour cream at all. Um, if you, if you wanted to do anything, I, I would probably use a little silken tofu, but I, I really, or, or yogurt, uh, almond milk yogurt, but I, I don't even think you need, it's just going to add calories. So I think, you know, given, given the recipe and, and given, you know, when you go out and get zucchini bread or you buy it uh, or you go out and you buy pastries, I think you have to think about things like this. They're going to make them as moist, as preserved, um, as sweet as they possibly can. So you'll buy them more often. So um, really there's, you know, not a pastry out there that you can you get for the most part unless you go to some vegan uh you know a a vegan bakery or such that you can get this plant-based uh for starters and uh you know even then when you're looking at the ingredients you're gonna you're gonna get into a bunch of oil and so you need to think about it because that adds up over your day if you're trying to lose weight you're looking at trying to find two to three hundred calories a day if you're not paying attention to the oil in your diet you can be eating five to nine hundred extra calories a day in oil, so that can really add up, um, and and then on top of it, these seed oils, which we tell ourselves are healthy, typically are very inflammatory. So, um, you know, it's not it's 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 not something that we can say is a healthy fat. Uh, we don't have to worry about getting enough fat. We have way too much, which leads me to. Seeing that we have way too much fat why not just take a diet pill and eat what we want um, and before I get into um, a new diet pill that's undergoing phase 2 testing so it's not quite ready to be released yet but is touted as having great promise at a very high price that you have to take for the rest of your life I also want to look again back at energy versus nutrition so if we're just thinking about losing weight, then we're, we we just have to look at energy in and energy out. So how much do we burn? And again, if you can decrease your energy intake by two to three hundred calories a day, then your weight will come off over time. If your weight comes off over time, and fat comes out, then toxins come out, and you're eating less, and and perhaps you know you'll become more healthy over time when you have you know fat adipose tissue is a place where toxins are stored. Uh, It's a place where estrogen is made. It's a place um, where uh, inflammatory compounds are made. So eliminating fat, uh, both the fat you wear and the fat around your organs, will decrease, will improve glucose tolerance. So yes, that, that will make you healthier. But will it make you as healthy as if you're nourishing your body with antioxidants and phytonutrients at the same time, feeding good gut bacteria? Um, You you know, so it's it's almost like you um, take all the bad out and then you remodel or you can remodel as you go and make things better as you go. So I'm all about um, eating a healthy diet that's lower in calories as opposed to just decreasing energy intake in order to lose calories so when we people talk about intermittent fasting it's a less calories if you talk about a restricted eating time it's a, it's less calories if you talk about a ketogenic diet it is less calories um, and this particular medication um, is about absorbing less energy and how it does it um, is that and it's called quark um, cargrillinatide linitide. and again it's in a phase 1b trial right now it activates amlin's and calcitonin receptors so amlin is released in the beta cells when insulin is released and it feeds back to the brain to say hey i'm full it slows gastric emptying so people are full and they don't eat as much and so they reduce caloric intake, and they lose weight, and there's some nausea associated with it. The funny thing about it, it's not really that funny, but when diabetics have prolonged, when, when, when diabetics, people have had diabetes for a prolonged period of time, or the severity of, it, severity of their diabetes is such, they develop neuropathy. And most people, when they think of neuropathy, they think of what we call stocking and glove neuropathy. So diabetics can often not feel their hands or fingertips, and they can't feel their feet. And sometimes it goes all the way up to, you know, almost the elbows and almost the knees. And they, they, they lose sensation, uh, touch, hot and, hot and cold sensation. So they can get ulcers on their feet or cuts uh, and not really realize that they are there. Um, sometimes the bottoms of the feet are very painful. Uh, I feel like they're walking on hot coals or rocks. Um, but there's another kind of neuropathy called autonomic neuropathy, which affects the small muscles. So the f- small muscle, uh, when we think about our our blood vessels, um, so they can have their blood pressure can go down, their heart rate can go uh, down or up for no apparent reason. And they also can have a delayed peristalsis in the gut, so it's delayed gastric emptying, just like this pill. And it's a terrible thing for diabetics because the food sets in their stomach or their intestine. They have malabsorption. Um, you can think that if a toxin is in the food that they ate, it's gonna lay there longer for them to absorb it, uh, perhaps. Um, if there's delayed gastric, meaning stomach emptying, And again, if it's in a person that's already overweight, that can put pressure up on the diaphragm. So most of the people that have hiatal hernias or gastroesophageal reflux also have, you know, they can be overweight. So that could cause the reflux of food up into the esophagus, um, cause worsening hiatal hernia, worsening esophageal uh, acidity, um, and potential Barrett's esophagus. So It's not the answer that you want is to make food sit in your stomach for a long period of time, but nevertheless, this phase one B trial was to look at whether, well, to look at what dose would be tolerated. So they gave um, people from age eighteen to fifty five and had a BMI of about twenty seven, so not really just overweight a little bit, Um, and they randomized them to a placebo or the the medication. And they started out with a lower dose and every um, six weeks they would increase the dose and the study went on for 19 weeks. They didn't have them change their diet and they didn't have them exercise and the people taking the placebo, same thing. And the primary endpoint was this, was to look at adverse events and the secondary endpoints was look at the concentration of the drug that was in the bloodstream. So they weren't really looking at how much weight they lost and and how well... um, you know overall um, uh, you know overall health from this and ended up with 285 people so very small um, by the time they randomized them it was 96 people so the people that tolerated it and that's something else that you have to watch about a drug study because when you're running in a people to a drug study there will be a certain number of people that don't tolerate the medication so they never get in the study but those people had adverse offense that didn't allow them to get in the study, but they're not counted in the results of the study. And they don't actually have to be submitted to the FDA as part of any of the data. So they were just, you know, people that were, you know, just intolerant for whatever reason. So they don't count them as anything, they're gone. So I ended up with 96 people, 24 people in the placebo group. The average age was 40. Um, half were over half were men, fifty nine percent. They also included uh, African Americans, fifty four percent. There were five hundred sixty six adverse events, um, and they were um, kind of spread out both in the placebo and in the um, in the group. Uh, GI disorders were the majority of them, two hundred seven. The most that they lost weight in the drug group was 15 pounds and they lost about eight pounds in the placebo group and if they stopped the medication their weight went back up so it's pretty interesting that you know you tell somebody we're going to give you a diet pill and you lose weight and we're going to give you a diet pill that decreases your appetite and you and you lose weight so you may get it you may not so the placebo effect is is absolutely real um and you know that leads me to a conclusion that perhaps people just need to say, hey, I'm taking my diet pill here now and maybe have a vegetable that you don't like. Um, I don't know. But uh, this medication is uh, somewhere around um, 15 to three, well, uh, a similar type medications are somewhere around uh, uh, probably $3,000 a month. Um, And now you could say that you know, insulin, um, diabetic medications can be similar to that. Uh, some of the newer diabetic medications that work in some respects like that by delaying gastric emptying, uh, can cost, um, uh, about $800 a week. So you can say, well, you, you know, you, maybe you save, save some money if it's, you know, $1,300 a week, but it's something it takes for the rest of your life that decreases gastric emptying, um, that causes potential you know so far uh what we know it's it's working again it's working as a feedback on your brain it's working on your islet cells um it's it's working on the smooth muscle and the autonomic nerves of your body and of course there's nothing long term on any of this and it does nothing for your nutrient density that you're taking in and, you know, of course, people, you know, will say, I've had people come in the office and say, first, you know, I'm going to lose weight, then I'm going to quit smoking, or first I'm going to, you know, do one of these others. But the reality of it is um, it takes a long time for, to get all those bad habits if you're taking them one at a time. And I think it's, you know, it's, um, it's pretty sad when we're actually inducing a medical disorder Um, in order to treat another medical disorder they also make a medication um, Zelnorm um, that actually treats um, GI motility in people Um, and that and two months of that medication is about $500 so I mean it's not like this is a condition that we don't that we want to exist Um, So, uh, again, I think it comes back to um, when Dwight Eisenhower was president. Obesity wasn't a problem to the point where they were trying to find something that would decrease people's ability to eat food or absorb food. What has changed since Dwight Eisenhower was the caloric density Of the foods we eat and the amount of processed foods that we eat and the availability of foods that we eat. When you look up and down you know your city block and you see five or six fast-food restaurants so you don't have to do much to find food. When you go to the grocery store and the cereal aisle is 25 yards long and there are four frozen food aisles as opposed to you know half the square foot in produce something is dreadfully wrong and you know i never really get in too much of a traffic jam in the produce aisle but if you go down to the meat counter or you go into these some of these other accounts, and people are just looking at the cereals they're looking at the cereals they're looking in the they're looking for something that they can say this is healthy and they can justify in their head that this is healthier um, but the reality of it it isn't so It comes back to um, we haven't found a cure for heart disease um, according to the American Heart Association I would rephrase it that we haven't found a cure for heart disease allowing us to do what we want when we want uh, and allowing us not to do things that we don't want to do so uh, you know uh, we can go back to the Hadza tribe and You know, here it is in the 2000, 2008 when Henry Ponser was there and they don't have any heart disease. It's because they're not eating the processed foods that we are. They're not eating a chemistry experiment. So if you want to have zucchini bread, you can't justify it and say that it's zucchini bread so I can eat all I want because it's bread and it's good for me and there's zucchini and It's still a dessert. Um, And it's something that shouldn't be on the table every day. Fruits and vegetables should be on the table every day. Um... So it it comes back down to being more mindful and, um, you know, to actually, like the grandma, I'll say it, I think I'm saying it every week now, but eating for outcome. Um, You're eating to train to run, eating to train to lift your grandchildren, eating to be able to go on vacation, eating to stay alive, eating to reverse some of your disease, but there's no magic bullet that's going to do it for you. And I don't think people can depend on other people to do it for them either. So I would encourage you to turn the turn the package labeling over and actually look in the ingredients and don't check don't don't trust this is healthy or has multi-grain or it has all the buzzwords on it. Look at the actual ingredients, look for dairy, look for eggs, look for oils. And if you want to know the percent of fat coming from calories you take the weight in grams times nine and that's the percent those are the number of calories per serving and you also have to really look at the serving size so without further ado i think i'm gonna give my voice a rest and i will look forward to speaking with you after the 50 mile race thank you for listening If you want to find out more about our practice, go over to drdelaney.com, D-O-C-T-O-R-D-U-L-A-N-E-Y.com. You can email me at jamie at drdelaney.com. You can follow our running uh, group at Plant-Based Striders on Facebook. Uh, We love to hear from you. We love to join the group. Um, we, We look forward to doing more races with a lot of people. And if you're in Texas and you're going to do the Brazos 50, give me a shout out. Love to meet you. Thanks for listening.